Hello and welcome to Red Rose Reports on the Young Labour elections. This is the series where, as ever, we try and get as much information we can out of the candidates who are standing for regional national elections within the Young Labour executive. Now, joining me today, all the way from Dartford CLP, is Louise Leslie. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you on. Now, I'm just trying to make sure I've got this completely under wraps. You are currently launching a bid to become uh, the rep for the South East of England. Yes, I am. Um, it's quite strange, really, because I don't really count myself as careerist, but I had multiple people coming up to me throughout the week saying, why aren't you standing? And I was pushing off and I was going, OK, right, maybe it's a little bit too late. But then I had like multiple people coming up to me and I just I just thought, do you know what? I might as well just put my name down. So with the fact that people have actually approached you about running is, I'm going to assume that you're a bit well known in like, you know, your kind of local area of labour, your activism. How exactly did you come to this juncture? So with a lot of people in Labour, you can say that it was very much their choice to join up. They wanted to, wanted to do a career in politics. They wanted to get involved. They wanted to write it down their CV. With me, I would say it's very much the opposite. I tend not to bloat about my position in Labour. With me, the reason why I joined Labour is because of some family troubles I had. So around Christmas 2016, my father left the home and it was quite a bit of divorce. And my dad decided to freeze the bank account and basically cut off my mum with two children. My mum was in a situation where she struggled. There were times where we were sleeping in multiple jumpers. I just remember that Christmas being incredibly hard. It was one of those situations where we didn't have enough to keep ourselves up, but we had enough so we couldn't get in the benefit threshold. I just remember my mum trying so hard to make Christmas as great as it could. But with that situation, I grew up quite vastly and it took one of those situations where I was like, okay, well, I've got to give something back. That's getting involved with what's going on in the world. Before then, I had no idea like the difference between Labour and Tories. But then I started realising, hang on, this is going on. I start reading. I start reading theory. And then I think, how can I apply that into actual knowledge? What's going on in my local government? And then I, I decided to join Labour because I, I felt like that was the future in front of me. That's the future we need to have. And if there wasn't these Tory measures in place, where would I end up? So, you see, that's actually quite interesting because we get people who come on the podcast and some of them, because they've got the memories of it, will talk about how, you know, during like the dying days of the Labour government or even earlier than that, they were kind of saved by policies that were put in place. But uh, this is becoming the increasing reality for a lot of our activists and that they're getting inspired by seeing just how brutal life can be underneath well, the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, with the past two years, seeing what's happening, it has really shaken my boat. And I've just gone, hang on, that, that shouldn't have been there. Why, why is this an issue? Why isn't this an issue? And it's one of those situations where you look at things like, let, let's just say like the A-level protests that were going on that should never have happened the examples had six months to prepare at the end about 40 percent of grades were downgraded it's it's just ridiculous but seeing seeing as you've come on to the crux of the issues here let's talk a bit about the issues that face the region which you aim to represent what kind of problems do southeast young labor face like what's the challenges for day-to-day -day activism so with the southeast we only have eight seats out of quite a few seats and it is very much a lake of Tories I would say. We've got this problem where because we are so close to London 
we have a lot of communities coming in and with that we get quite a lot of gentrification however with this gentrification it is not solving the real problems which is the class divide between people we are i know in my constituency last christmas there was around 600 people homeless the majority of these 600 people were young people themselves under 25 under 26 i think with young labor especially in the southeast we are we are seeing these problems very differently to our seniors and it's just something that we are growing up we are seeing we are seeing the fallout of neoliberalism we are seeing the mass fallout of thatcher and how that influenced Blair and how that goes on to austerity figures. We, we, we've seen David Cameron's austerity figures not just only affect the North, but split the North and the South. And the Southeast are seeing these oh, penny signs, these pound signs going up, but they aren't seeing human prosperity going up. And I think that's something that Southeast young labour are struggling to face. I think what we do is we, we need someone that will look at the situation and be like, hang on, how do we win seats over? How do we stop that Tory majority? My, my county is Kent and we have one seat and that is Canterbury. Why can't we expand? And that's the problem we're facing. We're decreasing, we're decreasing, we're decreasing. We're decreasing in local governments and we're decrease, decreasing in national. The problem with young labour down here is it's very much split between the left and the right like you have some people that will follow Corbyn some people that follow Starmer and we're not banging our heads together going hang on how do we get as much socialism as possible with the last election I actually um this episode uh, has not gone live yet but uh, there's an interview coming up where I talked to the regional organizer of Guildford and he also is based in the south um I believe it's the southeast that's what Guildford falls into isn't it yeah, yeah. Yes. See, see, Northerner here, I don't know my geography especially well anywhere that's <laughs> south of Sheffield. Um, so he, he talked basically about how uh, the last election, especially for young activists, was just so demoralising as party members put like Lib Dem posters in the windows. And generally, whilst it was all around, the last election was not a great experience for like canvassers and activists. From being a young member in the South East, apparently it was especially demoralising. Do you think that's especially true? And do you think like during the last election that South East Young Labour had enough resources and enough support? I, do, I totally agree with him. I think we were very split and that is something that I would love to face and get down to the problem of. I, I campaigned in the 2017 election as well and we all were just like oh yeah come on let's get this let's get this majority Let, let's cost them a hung parliament but it was very much like oh I don't I don't know I'm going to switch to the Lib Dems because you're way too radical oh they don't represent me and there was just this constant toxic trait going on. Uh, what I've noticed is obviously I have a very different opinion on the EU negotiations to quite a lot of people in the fact that I would have voted leave and I would have supported an EFTA deal that it caused a massive rift between the voters and the members and I think with young people they are stuck in that predicament where they go hang on I, I can't see my views being put forward therefore I need to leave the party and I think that's something where I may have got a lot of run for it because I I do admit I am incredibly vocal about it. What we're seeing is we're not seeing people working together. As the person in Guildford said, we're having people switch sides, we're having people do certain things to demoralise. And I remember looking up at North, looking up at Leicester, and looking up at Manchester, and even the fights in Scotland, and I was like, this is so wholesome, they're working together to get this majority. We just weren't doing that in the South East. Going away from kind of the problems and more towards the solutions that you're, candidacy proposing on your graphic um 
what, what really stuck out to me was your pledge to safeguard and give a platform for the victims of sexual abuse. Why did you choose to make this your uh, one of the vocal graphics that you want to base your campaign around? So in January, I was I was sexually assaulted by someone in the party, someone from a neighbouring CLP. It took me a rather long time to realise, hang on, this isn't normal. For so long, I, I laughed it off. I, I told my friends, I was like, oh God, this happened to me. How weird is that? And I felt like I had nowhere to go in labour. And it took until about April, May, where I was sitting at home in lockdown, bored out my mind because all my A-levels got cancelled. And I was like, maybe I should report it. And for reporting it, I felt like I got nowhere. I, ne I never found... I never found out if he got excluded from the party. I heard from basically Chinese whispers that he got suspended from the party and I got no support apart from friends saying, oh, I'm so sorry, what happened to you? I want to see these things change. I want to see proper victim support, as you would see from the police. I, I want to see a complaint procedure which is caring and centred around the victim, not the numbers and members. And I want to see people realizing that sexual harassment and sexual assault should not be normalized it's like in clp meetings there was one time where someone made a comment about my boobs and i laughed it off now if you think about that in perspective that is not something that should be laughed off that is something that should face repercussions but it's just seeped into labor that is so normal and especially with young women that we just have to put up with it if you need to make it to the top we just have to roll with it we we just have to take it we just have to take this abuse it's not getting us anywhere, it's setting us backwards. It's, it's the exact same with transgender people. Transgender people face the ma majority of abuse any other group get. Yeah, all we've done is said is, oh, let, let's just sign these trans right pledges. We haven't gone right. We need to get to the crux of it. We need to do these certain things. So we need to stand up for the LGBT plus community. We need to stand up for young women politics and we need to stand up for stopping the normalisation and the hypersexualization of people in politics. I think I'd be remiss if I first of all just didn't say that I'm sorry to hear about this as this is the first time like this is a live reaction. I I've got to say I'm, I'm sometimes I'm just disgusted by some of the horrific attitudes and problems that the Labour Party as a whole has with this kind of thing. It's disgusting to think that we're in the 21st century and that we're the party of the progressives but yet that's normalized in some areas of it you mentioned obviously about you know strengthening it by getting a proper complaints procedure um pulled forward would that be your way of kind of safeguarding then these vulnerable members yes it would for, for me what was quite demoralizing for me is i had people saying oh you should have done this you should have done that or, or when you're in the moment you you can't do certain things it's like there was so many times i look back at the situation thinking i could have walked away then but I didn't because I was trying to keep relationships nice between these two CRPs. And that should never be the situation. So we need to make sure that the victim is the centre of what's going on. And we need to make sure they are okay. We need to make sure that there's no comments going on about them. There's no whispers going on behind them. And we need to make sure that there are actual repercussions for people that are actually committing these things. This is the first time that safeguarding of this aspect has been talked about on the podcast. But for those who are regular listeners, you'll know, you'll know that this particular set of Young Labour elections has been dominated by uh, the issue of safeguarding, whether that's of younger members online, whether that's of our trans comrades or just women in general. Do you think perhaps scaling it back just to perhaps young labour, do you think there's a bit of a toxicity problem with it and uh, this kind of culture? Yeah, I, I, I honestly put in my hand in my heart, I have seen the toxic culture and I have seen what the different factions have done to young people. I've been in those situations where 
I'm not a momentum member, I'm not a progress member, I'm not an, an open labour member and I, I've struggled to fit in. There have been times in arguments where the exact same person will be like, you're a Blairite and then they'll go 20 minutes later, they'll say, well, you're just being a communist now. I don't understand why Young Labour have to put these names on everything. It's something I've struggled with. I've struggled with my identity in Labour. There has been a few times where I've questioned, like, am I actually being heard in Labour? And that, that should never be a question. We are meant to be this wholesome family. We're meant to be the progressives of the, the, the two main parties going on. The only way we can move forward is if we stop this whole tit for tat and we move on this tit for tat is something that is really heavily seen in young labor uh, as i said there's, there's been so many arguments going on and because of my position on brexit let's say welfare because of my position on the nhs because of my position on education people feel like there's a need to attack you to get one up on you and that should never be the case we need to listen to each other and we need to listen to why they've got this opinion do you feel galvanised or a bit depressed by the entire way that the Young Labour elections have carried themselves off? Because obviously on the one hand, we've got the fact that uh, because it's been mostly done online, which is where a lot of the viciousness comes from, this, this set of elections has been dominated by people trying to dogpile on a certain candidate yeah. or trying to expose them. But on the other hand, well, I will admit, this is the first Young Labour elections, despite being in the party for three years, which I've actually noticed happening. Like, this is the first yeah. time where I think they've got the most awareness. And equally, they've got a lot of people running from backgrounds and uh, of orientations, which, you know, you don't typically see inside of Young Labour. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, to I totally agree with you. We're seeing a lot of young, talented people pop up. For example, I've been talking to Megan Heyman, who's trying to run for the under-18s officer. She's neurodiverse, and I, I, I think th this is amazing. Look looking back, like, three years ago, looking at my situation, I would never have dreamed of standing up and doing what she's doing. And I, I think it's absolutely amazing the talent we are seeing coming through, the amount of women coming through, the more proportion of BAME people coming through. And it's something I'm quite grateful to be a part of. Now, let's just kind of wind it back for a little bit now and let's perhaps focus a bit more on your campaign. Now, obviously, we talked a lot about your safeguarding policies. What else would you actually um you know want to do if you're elected and why would you want to do them let's just say apart from the whole let's join the southeast together let's get heard in clp meetings another thing that i've been talking to some people about is something that I, I can't believe i totally missed and it is what i would say is i am from a working class background my family are scottish mill workers um i've got a few uncles that would work up in factories up in Scotland and when we moved down to the South East we came down here for prosperity. None of us went to uni. I'm the first in my family to go uni. I'm the first generation. Looking at that I, I've realised that there are many people in Young Labour that aren't going to university, that aren't students, that are doing full-time jobs, that are doing apprenticeships and they aren't represented. So what we need to do is we need to make a position so they are represented. A lot of people do have said to me, well, wouldn't you include that in the trade unions, officer? But there are a lot of young people out there that aren't involved with trade unions. And there are a lot of students out there that are involved in trade unions. So if we are going to have a position for, let's say, students, why are we supporting the actual working class? Mm. And that is something I want to put forward. I, I want to be an ally to the working class. Well, I'm a graduate uh, just, and I'm a member of GMB. Um. <laughs> which is, you know, obviously um, having the position of trade unions officer, that just kind of means that I creep into that and I 
honestly don't know a whole lot of people inside the Labour Party who aren't graduates and that's a, becoming a bit of an issue because obviously we need to move away from this image of the party becoming increasingly just for the middle class. Yeah, yeah, it's like I was talking to someone who left Labour to join the Social Democrat Party and he was like, when I was 20, when I was in Young Labour, I hated it because I felt like I wasn't represented. And when I asked him, I was like, oh, so is this why you've left the party? Is it, is it, is it because you felt like you weren't represented? And he was like, yeah, because I went to a full-time job straight away. And I just saw this champagne socialism. I didn't see actual socialism. And that's why he left the party. And I was thinking, we, we built our party on the need for an up and running working class. That was Keir Hardy's message. And when you see Ramsay McDonald come in, when you see Clement Attlee come in, in the early part of the Labour Party, they are securing socialism that helps the working class as well. It's not just, oh, let's split it even more. And what we are seeing recently, we are trying to please the middle class. We've already pleased the middle class because they have seen that because of the steps that Blair have given, because of the steps Brown have given, because of the steps Callahan has given, that they can work up. But we are leaving the actual working class behind and we need to stop doing that. And especially in places like South East, where I think it's something like 42% of jobs going in the South East our apprenticeships and our full-time jobs that's a ma that's a massive massive number that we need to be representing and we aren't now you've obviously talked about champagne socialism there and also if i might use my own phrase for you've also talked about what i call bread and butter socialism which is getting the issues which matter most to the working yeah. class sorted let us give you an opportunity then to implement one of these because we are beginning to run out of time so it is on to the traditional question which we always end the podcast on always do and that is this let us imagine a scenario where by some chance you have won a snap election you have gained every single seat in the country you've got a 650 seat majority you are not going to have some backbencher who thinks he knows better rebel the house of lords ah they're on side it's a manifesto commitment you can't get rid of it the Supreme Court is not going to do anything to try and throw a spanner in the works. However, you have one day before you are either swept out of power in another shocking snap election or you're ousted. It's the Labour Party, so as possible. What piece of policy do you pass? You can renew something. You can um, unlock something in law so it can never be repealed. You can repeal something. You can strengthen it. You can completely bring in something new. What do you do and why? Oh god, this is a no-brainer. This is an absolute no-brainer. I would strip the Welfare Reform Act of 2012. Ian Duncan Smith, um, I believe he's absolutely demoralised the working class. Um, he's villain vilified refugees, he's vilified immigrants, and he's vilified working class people that can't make any penny as scroungers, and we're not. It's just something that I can understand why some people would back it in the first place, but looking at it now and looking at how it has ruined some families I'm close to, it's just something that I would absolutely replace with something else. I, what, I just, what would that something else be? I think with things like benefits and things like welfare, it should not be under one umbrella because no family is the same as another. So we need to make a system that is means tested and recognises what we, what we can do to get people out of poverty. What Because... I can assure you there is no one in the world that wants to stay on benefit. Everyone in their life has got that some get up and go. So why are we making universal credit that is paying people minimal 
so they're struggling but it's capping them from going out and getting actual work and that is something I would love to replace I would love to replace it with a robust system that would help people get out of poverty not keep them in it and something that can cause prosperity in people well I must thank you for giving a unique answer for that is the first time we've had this answer on the podcast however if you're listening to this way in the future and this is the first of many times just know it was Louise who said it first she was the trendsetter um, and <laughs> unfortunately with that fantastic answer we have run out of time which oh, always gosh. I know it, it always saddens me I always enjoy recordings <laughs> Now, obviously, you're running to be South East representative. Where can people go to find out more about your campaign? You can vote for me at partynominations.labour.org.uk. Please make sure that you write down my name, Louise Leslie, and you link my Labour number, which is L175. 7034 and i would really appreciate your nomination thank you equally where can people go on social media to find out a bit more about you maybe find out what your campaign's up to uh, or just see what you're doing so i use twitter quite freely I, I voice my opinions on there and i do a lot of my campaign for think tanks and i've obviously got my own blog please find me on twitter it's louise j leslie i would be more than open to answer anyone's questions please just dm me i've got notifications on and they are absolutely buzzing at the moment please just feel free to message me if you have any problems with my campaign or is there anything you want to pick up on as someone from the southeast please feel free to message me i'm an absolute open book and i'll be willing to listen to anyone and if you're willing to listen to more of this podcast, you can find our links uh, as follows in the description. Or if you cannot be bothered going into the description, it's simply Red Rose Reporting on Facebook or just search Red Reporting on Twitter. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> Goodbye.